Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters here on, uh, man, I, let me start that over. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divizio.com. And we have got another fantastic show lined up for you guys today, don't we, Jack? Well, welcome. It's not unmuting you. Hold on. I'm trying again. Hi, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yay, that worked better. There we go. <laughs> yes, How are you today, awesome Jack? Today. I am great. It's a little chilly here in Indiana. I don't know uh, where you are, Ronald, but uh, it is it is very cold here in the Midwest. <laughs> well, I, I'm from I'm, Michigan originally, but I'm in D.C. right now, so it's kind of like shorts and T-shirts weather. Well, unfortunately, Jack, I can't even brag about my warm weather. It went down to 40 last night. <clears throat> that is warm weather. Florida. That is warm weather. You can lay out in the sun in that compared to here. It's in the 20s. <laughs> Maybe you can lay out in the sun in that. Yeah. Me, not so much. <laughs> yeah, Give no, me I the cocoa butter. Here. It gets cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have an awesome guest today, everybody. We have Ronald Mann, who is a disabled veteran. He's a jiu-jitsu Paralympics champion. Um, He majored in child and adolescent psychology in Michigan State University. He was petitioned by the president of the Federation to come and fight with honor, and he he got into Paralympics and jiu-jitsu. And uh, after a motorcycle accident, I believe this is right, you lost part of your leg, Ronald, and... um, I want to hear more about your story. I don't have the whole bio here, but, man, you're all over the place. You even have a Wikipedia page, man. You're a celebrity. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's, that's quite, quite amazing. Like, the, the social media, I never used to like it until about two years ago when things really started to explode with, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. It's a way to really reach out and inform and touch people around the world. And, um you know, I've been very fortunate in, in that aspect because when I, I, I'm going to train and compete. Um, I love the martial arts. I grew up loving the martial arts. I was in this small town in uh, Bath, Michigan. It's, <laughs> our graduating class was 73 people. So it was a tiny wow. little town. We didn't have much in the way of martial arts there. Um and but I'd always kind of grown up, you know. I I had some kind of passion for it. It was always there in the back of my mind. And um, you know, once I joined the military, they gave me the option I could be a state state stateside. I was a combat medic, and um, or I could go to Germany or Korea. And I was like, and growing up, I was. My father was an electrician for General Motors, so we never wanted for anything. We were never, we were not rich by far, but my father provided for us um, opportunities that I could have never had. I was a, I was an adopted child, um, and later back on, in life, I I went back and found my my birth parents, and you know my I was very fortunate because I was given opportunities that that most children that we get, you know get to have presented to them. Um, so my junior year of high school, I went to Germany and lived in Germany for an entire year and, you know, immersed myself in the culture lived with a family. And that would, from coming, coming from a small cow town in Bath, Michigan of, of graduating 72 people to living in a city as big as Hamburg for a year, like, you, you know, my eyes were opened to this whole world that we have. It was amazing. Um, and 
truly for me, that's where the adventures really began. Um, and so, you know, as, as we've gone along and, you know, we, when I came back from Germany, there was starting to become some martial arts academies here and there. Um, but that was a senior year in high school, you know, kind of everybody's like, well, you know, we've made it. We're just about there. This is our year to enjoy. Buckle down, study hard, get ready for college. And that just did not seem to be my path. Um, you know, my entire family has enlisted in the United States military since the Civil War. My great, great, great grandfather wow. enlisted in the Indiana militia. And every generation, every man in the man's family, every generation we've enlisted in the United States military. And this is our way, this is not his way of giving back to this country. It's giving so much to us, you know, so many freedoms, so many liberties, so many opportunities. You know, this is this is the least that we can do as is my family. So. Wow. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about this Paralympics and uh, jujitsu and how you uh, came to be so well known uh, as a champion um, in a sport. I think a lot of people don't even know exists. Yes, it's it's different. Um, so everybody, uh, I, I think pretty much mixed martial arts, cage fighting, that's pretty much mainstream these days. Um, most people mm-hmm. under the basic concepts of it, get in there with light gloves and you beat on each other until somebody is either knocked out or they tap out. Um, and that's, unfortunately, yes, that is the gladiatorial side of it. And, mm. you know, there's... It's like football. People who don't understand the intricacies of football want to see men crash into each other. Um, you know, and that's I understand that. There's there's the excitement of that. There's the thrill of that. The impact. The crashing. You know, the the cutting. The moving. That the amazing thing that they can make their bodies do. You know, on these high level athletes. And to me, um, martial arts has always been my path. You know, it's it's always been there for me. The martial arts is a dual path. If I look at something like basketball, and I trained basketball my entire life from time and growing up, you know, I, I get better at it. I get a collegiate scholarship. I go on. Maybe I'm lucky enough to turn pro. And you see something like, you know, like Michael Jordan, who's taken it to the farthest level that, that he possibly could. Like, he, he exemplifies what it is to be. Uh, a professional athlete, to be a professional yeah. basketball player on and off the court, you know. And it's rare that you find that in most professional athletes. Most professional athletes have some kind of drama off the court. And in the martial arts, it's a dual path, man. It, it teaches us not only how to physically develop and strengthen our body, but there's an emotional and a spiritual journey into it as well. And that's what draws me to the martial arts. Is it helps you grow as a human being. It's not just, it's not just you know, hit a bar as far, ball as far as you can. It's not about, you know, can you run it a ten two, you know, ten two forty. It's, it's there's an elevation of self through martial arts, and that's, you know, ultimately our bodies. You know, we all slow down. I'm I'm forty six now. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit older, but. The martial arts for me is a lifelong journey. It's not something you you do for ten years and then you retire and move on to something else. This is this is a path that I'll have with me for the rest of my life. And I'm very very fortunate for that gift. Yeah, it is. Uh, I love the the spiritual journey part. I I have a um, a twelve year old now, but when he was around eight or nine, we were looking around in town for uh, different martial arts options that we might have and we picked one because we didn't know what to do we didn't know what to look for and it just mm-hmm. didn't seem to be a match there's a real um there's something to who you who's leading the dojo <laughs> right and yes. and yes. who's leading everything and there just wasn't it's almost like a matchmaking <laughs> thing and and sammy never really you know got that bond or really and there wasn't that much Maybe it was later on, but there wasn't a lot of the spiritual stuff seeming to be uh, dealt with or talked about in the beginning. It was all just tactical and 
mechanics and, and things like that. And maybe he was going to do that, but it didn't have a chance because there just didn't seem to be a bond there. Um, but, you know, that's that's something that I feel like we still are missing a little bit out on. I would love to have somebody like you here. I feel like, I mean, it's not as small as your hometown, but it's very small, and you can count all <laughs> of the martial arts options on, you know, two or three fingers. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, yeah. we don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what uh, actually? What what, uh, what city are you guys located in? Richmond, Indiana. Richmond, this is where you Indiana, stop to pee on the way to more important places. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just you know, of course, where my information is. You know, just you know, an hour north of where you guys are at. So, um, you know, if you have something serious that you'd like me to, there's a couple of really really good teams around there. Um, one in Southeast Michigan. Um, called Scorpion Fighting Team, and they're an absolutely fantastic club. Like, I could, for the South, Southeast Michigan, I would recommend them above anybody. I really respect their, their coaches and their instructors, and, you know, not everybody, the vast majority of people don't want to fight. Martial arts isn't about fighting, you know. Ultimately, yes, it's about self-defense in the street, taking care of you and yours. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny because I walked through the mall and, you know, I, I scanned. I was in the military, so we've been kind of tactics as well. My girlfriend's like, what are you looking at? And it's, it's, it's okay. Like, and, but she was scared. Like, I can tell you where every access is. I can tell you where every exit point is. I can tell you where every camera is. I can tell you where the threat, like, the threats are. And those are things that are just, you know, it just becomes normal. It's not like you're, you know, you're building this ninja machine, you know, this destructive machine. It's just it's to keep you and yourself and your family safe. And that's yeah that's the situational awareness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, there's so many good things that come out of it. I see so many things that come out of it for kids and it just goes into their adult years and and yeah, I imagine the heart part, the spiritual part, the a lot of that has to do with what got you where you are today. I mean, that you identify with that is obvious, but also, uh, you know, you haven't always had it super easy. And <laughs> you've had to go through some pretty incredibly rough stuff that a lot of people don't have to in their whole lifetime. Um, yeah. Talk a bit about the leverage of just being having your head on straight, you know, and having your heart in the right place and, you know, battling through those. Or maybe it's not a battle at all once you've got it figured out. How, how did it work for you? You know, it's, and it's unfortunate. We can, even this last week in Sweden, um, I had to experience a, a level of discrimination that uh, I had not experienced in, in probably close to two decades. And you have to understand I'm a white male from the Midwest. Like, this, there's a pervasive discrimination based on, and it's 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 maybe it's not so much discrimination, maybe it's uh, misunderstanding. is a good way to, to say it. I, I like that. It, I like that as a better word because I think inherently we're good people, but we don't understand one another and we don't understand each other's ability. And so. Um, I had a guy when I was fighting in Sweden. He was from a team, and in this last weekend, GGIF is world qualifiers. This set is one below Olympics. So you know, I've regularly EJJF, and they were the first ones to allow us to have pair programs. Um, which, I mean, I, we were so fortunate that they were allow us to, you know, to put their time and effort into it to support us to show that we can fight as equals. Um, and now JJF, who runs the world governing body, um, has decided to place para categories in all their terms as well. Um, and so, you know, the, a guy came up to me after the tournament, and usually, like, for the last 20 years, man, I've been like, you know, I'm rock star. Like, I'm, I'm, my record against able-bodied people are 18 to one this is 18-2-1 against able-bodied people in cage fighting. I'm undefeated in kickboxing. I'm undefeated in stand show. And now in pair jiu-jitsu, I'm undefeated. So, you know, I've, I've 
the Valentine legacy, my teammates, my coaches, my family, they support and push me hard enough that I'm able to show the world what equality is, you know. Um, and the guy, the first guy that I was supposed to play, I find him, I got to buy. And I was like, oh, you know, I thought he missed weight, something like that. You know, maybe he showed up too late to weigh in or maybe he didn't register in time. And he came up to me, he was like, bro, bro, I was, I was the one supposed to fight you. And I'm like, oh, man, dude, what, what happened? Man? Oh, that's unfortunate. And he's like, no, you're para. You're para. I don't fight para. I'm not para. You're para. And I was like, well, I understand you're not para, but I'm stepping up and I'm fighting you. He's, go, he's like, no, 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 you're para. You can get hurt doing this. I'm like, <laughs> I was taken aback, man, because I'm like, you don't, you have no idea. Like, I'm an MMA fighter for the last 15 years. I've broken a man's arm in the cage. I've broken a man's ankle in the cage. I've caved in a guy's eyesight in the cage. Like, this is, this is a, a, a rough dealing fight. You know, this is, this is not volleyball where you might get a ball spiked off the side of your head. This is, this is cage fighting where people can go to the hospital. And, you know, for him not to have that understanding that, that we are equal, to push it back to that Stone Age of, oh, it's it's so nice that you're a para. I'm glad you're doing this. No, 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 no. Please come to, come to my arena. Lock the door behind you. No cameras, and we can disc- we can settle our dispute. It's not my problem. Well, I mean, it's not like you're, you know, tell everybody about where what your situation is because I, nobody can really picture it unless you tell them. But you're not exactly. <laughs> Just rolling around in a wheelchair or something. Right. I mean, tell people right. tell people really what's going on. Yeah, so I lost my leg um, 92 days off active duty. You know, I went overseas and came back and um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I went overseas and I came back and I made it off active duty and uh, I enlisted in the reserves. My entire family has been enlisted, so I wanted to go in the reserves and be a first officer in my family. And 92 days off after duty, I was in a motorcycle accident, and I lost my leg below the knee. And so after a year of recovery, of working, and this was, fortunately, I was 24. And so I was really in the peak of my life. I was a soldier. I, you, you couldn't, things have to happen. So this would probably be the best time for it to happen, you know. And so I was able to physically come back very quickly. Emotionally, it took me a lot longer to come back off this than it did physically. Um, physically, I was walking within 30 days. Uh, six days, I found an academy that was willing to start working with me. And then 90 days, we actually got into the academy. We toughened ourselves up through um, yoga, Pilates, and kettlebell training that I could actually come into class and train like everybody else. And so... You know, Julian Laredo was the first one that said we could do that, and he's the one that will be starting this pack. So, yeah, Ronald, real quick, I want to do a mic check. Are you on a mm-hmm. uh, headset? Yeah, I am right now. Okay. Uh, is there anything we can do to pull it closer or possibly try without the headset? Yep. If that's possible. Just give me two seconds, I'll unplug, and I'll put it right up to my ear. Okay, brother? Okay. Is that any better, my friend? Very, very much. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay, sorry to interrupt, interrupt you. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, could you relieve me right back into where we're at? I'm sorry. It's still a kind of a bad connection. Uh, might have a piece. Might might have to ask you to call back in because this might be yeah, just the line. I'm seeing a lot of fuzz and static on this set. You want to try to give another call, brother? Yeah, try that. We'll be here. Okay, I'll call you right back right now. Okay, thanks. I could barely make it out, Jack, but what he was asking is where did he leave off? So I'm sure when he gets back, he's going to ask the same question. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that's kind of funny that people would treat him like he's some poor paralyzed person or something. I mean, I think maybe the opposite might might have been the case, and they were afraid of him. 
because <laughs> there's no reason to, I mean, for that disability, there's not a reason to to say, oh, we're not equals. So, are we back? Okay, let's see if this yes, is I'm any better. Done. Yeah, so we were talking well, about... Uh, we were talking about, you know, what your actual situation is, and, and I just thought it was kind of funny because, you know, below the knee, um, you have – well, I saw a picture of you, actually, and, and it was in a fight, or you were just squaring up with a guy, and both of you had a below-the-knee situation, and you didn't have a yeah. prosthetic or anything on. Is that how you typically yeah. fight? So, you know, that's pain you get to. There's two different qualifications. Um, right off the bat, I never wanted to do pain jiu-jitsu. Um, I've been offered a couple pain jiu-jitsu matches, but they were very disrespectful. It was, um, it, it was really, it was a cripple fight. It was have two guys crawl to the center of the ring and wrestle around with each other. It just wasn't well put on, um, mm-hmm. and so I declined those and decided I didn't, I, I didn't want to disrespect people with. Uh, limb mobility issues. And so I went the opposite route and decided I was going to fight full contact able body um, conventional classes. And so, what, like I said, what we used to do was we'd make a leg up and Jan's toes in my process, he would build the leg to the specifics of what my right leg looked like. And we'd pad up. To make it, we actually play up to make it safer than it needs to be because being the first and sneaking in and you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on here. If I ever hurt somebody that leg, that's it. It would destroy transgender for everybody. Like, nobody would be able to train again because of, because of my mistake. So, um, I would rather that it be safer than necessary. And wins and losses to me doesn't matter, dude. But it, that's. 20 years from now, when you and I sit down and we talk about this, you and I got to sit down over here and we're going to laugh and talk about, you know, I remember back when we did that interview and they just started paying so now you look what they have, now, now you have, you know, in Abu Dhabi, it's compulsory for the children, first through eighth grade, to go into jiu-jitsu. And they train their boys and their girls together. This is a Muslim country. And they train the boys and girls together for straight training. It's compulsory. This is a fix for humanity. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, so. What, where is it going now? Like, what's going on with the sport? Where do you think it's going in the immediate future? Um, and what are you part of right now? That's that's kind of helping guide all of it. So. Fortunately, two years ago, uh, January 8th, I was tagged. A couple guys got pulled before me, um, and unfortunately, they had uh, they had family allegations, and so I mean, and they're amazing fighters. Like the the guys that that uh, it was kind of a crapshoot. Like who who can we find as the best American kind of fighter? And there's quite a few of us out there that are really really top level. Um, and fortunately, I was the one giving the call, and I was really celebrating. He's the head of the UAE JJF Pair Division, and um, he called. He called me at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night, and my phone came up to Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'm like, who in the hell is calling me at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night from Sao Paulo? Like, <laughs> Not today, I just. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I pick up and you know, we catch we catch heading and I had heard about this that they they had wanted to do a world parent tournament. I'd heard about it but I didn't really know the path of how to get it and you know, certainly broke it down to me like, Yes, we are going to do this. Um this this uh, April we will be in uh, I think it was was January. So yes, in, in April we will be in Abu Dhabi and we'll be competing along the AJJF uh, standard competition um, and being treated as equals. And so, of course, I'm all in. Like, <laughs> when I say all in, I hung up with them. I sat for two days and thought about it, meditated, prayed, talked to my friends and my family, talked to my um, 
I see from my instructor and came up with the decision that this is what I was going to do. So two days later, I sold everything I had, packed everything I couldn't uh, sell, and drove to GC. Um, and the 21st, I showed up. I showed up for class at Professor Yamasaki here in Morocco. And uh, I'd known Sean Gibney. He had Mark out there, and I'd known Professor Kanadi Yamasaki for many, many years. These are uh, legends in sports. Mario Yamasaki, um, he, the UFC ref, that's Fernando's brother. And so the lineage runs very deep here. And so that's who I knew I wanted to be with for my camp. And, you know, after seven weeks of, of Sean trying to kill me, I <laughs> we went over the world and I won world in 23 seconds. Wow. So how does how does all that look for you? I mean, you get you sound like you're op- opening up opportunities for a lot of people to follow, like you kind of alluded to earlier. Uh, what what was the result of all of that? How how many people contacted you after that? Dude, it's been amazing. Um, there's like, literally. Every day or so, I'll have somebody new contact me about, oh, my God, I saw this commercial. Oh, my God, I saw you do this fight on YouTube. One of my friends passed me this this page that I should look at. Um, and, you know, jiu-jitsu isn't for everybody. And even more so, the people that want to compete in jiu-jitsu is a much smaller. That's, that's across the board, you know. To me, jiu-jitsu is a way of life. And, you know, some people feel like that, you know, adults feel like that, like they can see the health benefits of it. It's, it's not a quote-unquote combat sport where you have to be punched on, kicked on. You don't have to get beat up to train jiu-jitsu. You can go all the way to where you know, it would hurt and tap out and quit. And, okay, we're friends, so let's start again. Um, realizing that if you had gone another one or two centimeters, you would have snapped their arm. So... In real-world application, to me, jiu-jitsu, I, I mean, I love Muay Thai. That's my, that's my drop-dead favorite art ever. You know, flying knees, elbows, the Thai kicks are devastating. The, what but I consider probably the most painful-looking one of them all. That's that one. <laughs> well, the way those guys just kick each other in the shins just makes me hurt man, when I just watch them. <laughs> You've got to so it's, you've got to toughen your shins. It takes years to toughen your shins to be able to take blows like that. But to be able to you know check kick somebody with your shin on shin, oh my goodness! Like that'll that'll take your breath away, brother. <laughs> yeah, I prefer to watch that one uh, from the stands because <laughs> I yes. don't I don't know about the years and years of because that's all just pain. Like, that's years and years of just pain, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, your body will condition to it. There's certain parts of your body that the nerves uh, will end up actually dying. If you look at my elbows, they're really pointy. Um, there's certain things you can do to them to help them calcify. And what it does is cut the nerves down so it doesn't hurt as bad when you're banging on them. Um, the same thing with your shins. Um, you take a warm wa- bottle of, uh, of a warm wine bottle, fill it with water nuke it up and then you rub it up and down your shins as hard as you can and the heat keeps the pain at a minimum but it breaks down the tissue so then you get a couple of days and it's going to be kind of puffy and swelly and you know you continue to do that every three or four days until but it it takes a long <laughs> it takes a long time to do it it's not like you tough your chin for a week and then you're like okay let's cage white man let's get this <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. I mean, the whole toughness and everything about that goes with mental because it's not just a wine bottle. It's not just because you have to mentally defeat pain as much as physically, right? Yes, yes, one hundred. It's all the same thing. It would it would seem to me. The I actually I think the mental aspect of this game is deeper than the physical aspect. I've yeah. seen fighters. Um, they're better, better than me, wilt before me, and lose because it's, everybody has a reason for fighting. For me, every time I fight, win or lose, I'm giving one more opportunity for a person to 
maybe get up and live one more day. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, when I, 90 days after I got my motorcycle accident, um, I had my father's service pistol to my head, and I did not know if I could make it. I didn't know if I could go on anymore. And I don't know who or what reached down and touched me, but I heard distinctly, don't quit. If you're going to die, die fighting, don't quit. And that's the way I've lived my life, you know. It's, the martial arts is, for me, has always been that rock. No matter where I stray off to, how hard life can get, I can always come back to the martial arts, and that's that's my safe place. Like, I have family there. I have crew there. They love me. They push me. They, you know, they want me to be better. And to find an academy, that's what you should look for. Like, you know, if you want to be a pro-level fighter, I can send you to, I can send you to Fairtex. I can send you to, you know, academies around the world. And, and some people, that's all they want to do is be a fighter. But the martial, martial path itself, that's the greater elevation of self above where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a theory that I have that, you know, since we, especially since the agricultural and industrial revolution, life has gotten really, really comfortable. Pretty much yeah. all over the world, there are, there are big spots in the world where people are still right on the edge. But a lot of people talk about that in a negative way, and I'm not saying it in a negative way. I, I admire people who are still the full humans that we were before we had couches and fast food and, you know, just all of these comforts. Like that where I get challenged is, is pain stuff personally, the Mai Tai, that kind of thing, because I don't experience it. And I sort of long for hardship. I'll go on long hikes and I'll do them unsupported and, you know, um, and sleep in the mud and things like that as much as I can, but not as much as I want. And as much as yeah. I think I know I need, what do you have to say about, like, the, the comfort? I think comfort is sort of an enemy if there's an imbalance in it, which I feel like there is in modern society. And, and there definitely is. I mean, unfortunately, you look at how rampant physical and mental health is, uh, diseases are today, and those can be traced directly back to our physical uh, output as well as the uh, the consumption of, of what we put in our bodies. I mean, you can, you can break it down. Let's, we can go real easy, McDonald's and crack. What kind of life do you think you're going to have? Um, you know, that's, you're destroying your body. You're destroying your emotional stasis. At the same time, it's real easy for us to grab that happy meal to go for the kids and, you know, they're in the back seat in the car and just stick them the happy meal and, okay, dad needs just a second to catch my breath or I've got to catch up on this report. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived a very Spartan life and I, I won't say I take pride in it, but it works for me. I don't need a lot of things like when I'm laying on my deathbed and, and we all do like we, that was the thing when I flatlined on my motorcycle ride accident, accident, when I was choppering in, I flatlined twice. And I can remember um, my vision getting, was, got very clear and then you can see it tunnel in, slowly tunnel in and you can hear the sounds get less and less. Um, they kind of fade away. And then the last things that I could hear was the chopper, um, the turbine starting to scream as the nurse was yelling at the pilot, you have to get him in, you've got to go, you got to go. He's throwing B-fibs, you got to go, you got to go. And then I remember silence. And then I got hit with the adrenaline, and I was awake, bam, now I'm back up, and I can hear everything screaming, the medic screaming, shit's flying all over the place. You know, he's trying to put another IV in my arm, more fluids. And slowly, slowly I fade back away. And it's it's those moments of silence that um that you realize that we are we are higher beings than ourselves. 
this isn't the end all. Like the stuff that's happened in my past, that's we can carry that as baggage if we want to, or we can let it go and continue to move toward. And it's hard sometimes, man. It's hard to leave that stuff in the past. It really is. Like those decisions we made, those regrets we have, but we have to make amends for them and then let them go and continue to be a better person tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that you have uh, at your fingertips anytime you want it uh, a hell of a speaking career ahead of you as well. Because uh, not because of just your talents in gen- in specific, but in general, people look to people like you as you've already experienced and you do every day. In they look to you guys in wonder some sometimes when they're in that cloud of comfort or they're you know, um, they're in a hard spot in their life or whatever. They feel a certain kind of distance between themselves and you. And they want yeah. they want to get closer to people like you. And they don't probably know consciously, but I think subconsciously they know you've got something they don't have or that, that, that's gone to sleep in them because they have it. They just It's just dormant. And, uh, yeah. and I, I notice that a lot of people on speaking circuits are people with backgrounds in martial arts and – military and um, people who've had certain kinds of training that the average person doesn't get. And a lot of people think, well, that's just, that's just for surviving in a battle situation or that's just for this and it wouldn't have anything to do with me. So I'm comfortable not having those skills, but I bet you would say that that's not true, that they shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. I mean, how you live yourself on the battlefield is how you live yourself in real life. You know, it's, it carries over like your ability to react, to think in your feet, to move, to flow, that's the flow, the way Bruce Lee describes water, the way it flows. Yeah. That's the most important part of our life. You can either crash down and destroy those rocks or you can find ways around it and eventually cut your, cut your way through them. So it's, you know, it depends on the situation, but you know, it's, Martial arts for me, it, it prepares you through life. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if football prepares you for life. Uh, you know, I never played that high level. I know for, for me, the martial arts has given me a path to walk on to help me become a better human being. Yeah. Maybe it's just the simple as a focus, focusing toward a goal in a group situation, in a personal situation. Because the football thing, there's an awful lot of people doing speaking stuff who are retired football players, too. And yeah. they come from everything that you would expect. We don't even have to say it. Everybody knows exactly what I'm thinking right now, which is, you know, in the locker room, on the field, pushing through pain, all that kind of stuff, group goals, personal goals. We're all in this together. It, it's sort of the same kind of thing in, in many ways. As, as anything else, it's just going through trials and tribulations with yourself and other people and and having someone help focus you. There's a lot of coaches involved in this. You had maybe uh, not a coach, a sergeant <laughs> in basic yes. training and yelling in your face two millimeters away from your <laughs> nose and, a, and a, doing the same kind of thing. And I don't know, it's um, – when you get out of that, like if you only play ball in high school or maybe college, once you get out of that, you, the only thing that you've got to, is your memory of it, and it'll carry right. you as far as it'll carry you. But I think people start to think, well, I've been through this thing in life, and they say that this is my next stage in life. I'm going to start a business or whatever, and I don't need all of that stuff because I had all that stuff. But yes. I think it's different for people like you who train all the time, and you never stop. You never – like you said, it's your way of life, and yes. it, it yeah. ke- probably keeps you sharper on average than people who feel like, well, I did that, I'm done with that, and I don't need to do it anymore. I'm going to be more comfortable yeah. now. Yeah, no, I, I would agree, brother, for sure. It's crazy. So I'm going to go do some more push-ups today. <laughs> i got to do something. I can't. I, I feel like uh, we talked the other day, and you said I've got to start writing, like, I think it's, 10 or 15 sentences a, a day that I can start expounding on, expounding on, expounding on. So this is something I have to start putting together and, and giving myself mental focus as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, what would you say? So let's say you're on stage now and you're in front of a whole bunch of business owners um, who are the people who listen to this show. 
uh, varying degrees of success, a lot of beginners, a lot of people who are kind of in the middle and working on that, and people who are maybe thinking about shifting to another um, another line of business or a, a whole new shift in life. Yeah. You know, how? what kind of things would you tell people like that um, about how scary it can be um, and just pushing through it, how painful it might be and pushing through that too? Yeah, and I agree. It, it is scary. Like, pain is unique to the individual who's suffering it, right? And if a child cuts their finger, they come screaming to the mother. The whole world is in pain. They, you know, they cut, got to cut on their finger. That's unique to the individual suffering it. So, pain when I'm getting kicked in the leg is different compared to pain when you're getting kicked in the leg. These are things that, that we can condition ourselves to. It's the the fear of the unknown, the willingness to overcome that fear. That's that's probably the most difficult first step. Once you put that in motion, then the catalyst continues to build. It continues to grow. Um, you know, it's 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 hard for me as well because you know you know I've talked like on the mat I can teach I can fight I can train I can get on the mat and sweat and you know I have my kids class that I teach I love my little monsters but you know the business aspect of it this is something I still have to learn and it's something I've been shying away from because for the same reasons it's, it's intimidating it's, it's a little little frightening, it's a little scary. It's you know, it's not not in my normal realm. But yeah. at some point you have to step up, right? Yeah. So if you were standing on your shoulder, the little mini you that's just the drill sergeant, you've been through a million times worse than this. You've been through like what how do you self talk? How do you talk to yourself when you're like, All right, I gotta try something new, I gotta do something I'm not comfortable with, familiar with. Uh how do you pump yourself up about that? When I, um, you know, this is a really good. When I go, when I get ready to fight, is it that I take that moment to take that deep breath in and deep breath out? Just I have to take that to realize I'm settling myself in that space. Now I have to understand what's coming up. This is going to be a cage fight. It's going to hurt. We're going to have pain back and forth. My job is to inflict as much pain on that individual as possible in a short amount of period of time. Um, I don't rely on the ref. I don't rely on the other bodies, other person's conditioning. That's long gone. Anything he, he may or may not have done, it's long gone. Whatever I put myself into now, this is what I can rely on. And I know that I've done my best. Every time I prepare for a fight, I leave everything out there. Is I've never gone into a fight not ready to go 100%. So stepping into it, stepping, being prepared to step into that role, there is no limitations. It's, it's up to you to make that happen. You have to take that. <laughs> Nothing will be given to you. You have to earn it. You have to take it. And it's, it sounds like an aggressive, oh, my God, he's, he's so strong, he has to fight for it. No, you have to make it your own. Whatever you're good at, whatever you have a passion for, that's what you need to fight for. And when you have that passion inside you, that overflows. That's, that's where people see me when they see me talk about jiu-jitsu, when they see me talk about jiu-jitsu. They're like, you look possessed, man, it's because this is my passion. This is my life. I would do... I would sacrifice everything for this. If for one more person, for one more kid to get up and get out of a wheelchair and walk again and show that he's equal, that he's just as strong as his teammates, and my life is well lived. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to identify with that because, um, on the other hand, it is just a business. You know, it is just a, a thing that they're trying to do, a, a way that they're trying to expand themselves or whatever. And, and uh, put into perspective, and I think Leverage Masters tries to do that every week, is to bring people like you on to give people perspective on, you know, you may think something you're going through right now is hard, but who's been through something way harder. <laughs> and And it works because we get feedback about that, and they're like, 
be like I said earlier. I'm just I don't know why I'm just ready to do a hundred push-ups. I'm just like ready to, and I use this show just as much as anybody else does. I have a, a catbird seat here, and I get to be inspired right along with everybody else. Um, and so you know, I think yeah. this stuff is really important, and we it never ends though, right? Like you fall down, you get low, you get you know, you, you, nobody lives every single day up on top. Um, and, and how boring that would be in the first place. Everything just always works out for me, and you know everything's ice cream and no calories, and <laughs> it would be boring. I think that's why life was created to give us some things to overcome, some challenges to have. And um, but I see an awful lot of people balking at that, like, well, nah, I'm comfortable enough. You know, I want to write that book, but you know, I don't have time, or I want to do something else, or and then you, you, you got to deal with all those guilt feelings after that. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, one more day, right? <clears throat> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and a life well lived, a life lived from beginning to end, from start to finish, uh, lived really well and at a high achievement uh, and everything else, that person on their deathbed is going to want another day too. Everybody yeah. does. Everybody's going to want. No, how many people go and they're like, oh, thank God, it's over. I mean, I guess people do. I guess that's not a really good analogy. I guess people do if they have a hard enough life and everything, or if they're in a bunch of pain or whatever. But generally speaking, yeah. everybody wants another day. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't have children myself, but I can only imagine like, if I get just like that. I mean, I know that I have people that I love my life, and I know, you know, if I, whatever I do, if I could have one more day, if I could have one more gift, Like I've fortunately, you know, the last couple of years I've been able to start looking at life. Like I said, I'm 46. I can look back in decades now, chapters in the book, and I can start to see, you know, these, this this is the, the grand scheme of things. You know, like ultimately when I when I'm on my deathbed and I have nothing there around me anymore except the people that love me and my memories. How will my legacy be remembered? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything. And then there's the next thing, which you seem to have gotten somewhat of a glimpse of. You flatlined a couple times, and, uh, you know, you probably had some other pretty scary damn experiences in your life with military and everything else. And uh, I mean, what do you have to? What do you feel about that? You know, there's a next chapter that that it's not just darkness, and you know, every, all you have left is whatever you left here, right? Because you, know, you kind of yeah. got a glimpse into something most people don't get to. It's it's really interesting because you, you do. In my mind, there's a shadow world, um, and, and it's I just don't have the words for it right now. Um, but there's, there's there's something else out there greater than us, and I don't believe in coincidences. I call those God moments, and you know I'm a, I don't I don't believe in religion. I'm a very spiritually deep spiritual person. Um, I don't mm-hmm. need religion to tell me how to, to practice love for my God. But when I have those moments, you know it's. I just went to one thing recently where I found a person. I have, I knew this person centuries ago, and we happened to bump into each other, and we said some things that clicked. That it just it was things that had been said before, and to hear them repeated again, you know, it's. A, well, I don't have all I don't have all the answers. I guess that half the stuff that I'm doing. But to think that maybe I found that person again after all those centuries of searching for her, you know, those are those are moments in my life that I would never give up. I would I would fight tooth and nail for that. Like those are yeah. those are the gifts that God gives us. Yeah, totally agree. Well, how do people find you? How can people? Uh... Learn more from what you're doing and follow you around a little bit. Kind of stalk you online. Yeah. So, like I said, IG, Instagram, if you weld, R-Y-M-A-L-D, M-A-N-N, 555, at Gmail. 
And then uh, Facebook found R-O-N-A-L-D-M-A-N-N. And there's a couple of us out there, but like I said, I'm kind of a big, bald, big red beard, scary-looking dude, cats everywhere. (laughs) 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 I look crazy. I put this whole persona on. Yeah, I'm the big, tough, cute guy. Is there a baby around here that I can swooshy, swooshy? <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's not you know, because right. it's uh, anybody that just goes to Google and types in Ronald Mann, you're going to be in for uh, something because it's mainly just it's just articles about battles and things that you've achieved. And like I said, you yeah. can even read about you on a Wikipedia. That's a that's an honor, man. That's a big deal. A lot of people wish they had a Wikipedia page. If, if and all right, we got to do another mic check. I'm looking on YouTube right now. Yeah, the, the bearded dude. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing on on uh, online uh, all day and or all morning and. Yeah, Grappling Central. There's a there's a uh, podcast thing here, so there's lots of ways to find you, uh, and I really recommend everybody check you out and, and follow you around. Gina, do you have any further questions for our guest today? No, this has been fantastic, Ronald. Thank you so much for joining us here on Leverage Masters. It sure Gina, is so inspirational. I'm so sorry I took up all the time. Like I, I get talking and I. I I just kind of get lost in my own world. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me today and letting me help you, you know, maybe change the world just a little bit. I really appreciate it, Gina. Thank you so much. You are very And we'll welcome. be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a fantastic okay. week, everybody. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.